Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I'm Kathy Wilder, and I'm the executive director up here in Camp Stevens. We are so happy to welcome back our resident expert for uh, Advent 2 in year A, <laughs> Kathy Wilder, yeah, who will forever be on the podcast to talk about this one gospel reading. <laughs> totally. Kathy, thank you for coming back on the I'm pod. Back. Yes, you are back. I mean, you've been I'm on back. a bunch of other times as a thank quote unquote faith to go. I love being on faith to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Does this put you on the podcast more times than like the so. Reverend Hannah Wilder or the Reverend Marilyn Colson? I don't think so, but you really, for me, it's really about quality and not quantity. So <laughs> it's all good. Shots fired. Hi, friends. My name is Greg Tuttle, and I produce the show. I have a quick fact check that indeed the Reverend Hannah Wilder has been our guest more than 20 times, with honorable mentions to today's guest, Kathy Wilder. The Reverend Mary Lynn Coulson, the Reverend Jeff Martinhawk, and Maya Little Sonia. All right. So, um, <laughs> Kathy, thank you for coming on to talk about this gospel again for this upcoming Sunday, December 4th, everybody. Second Sunday of Advent in year A. We always would love to hear from our guests a little bit about their ministry context. And, you know, we know from past episodes what your context is, but update us on what's going on. What are you working on? What's happening in your world? It is convention season, so we're seeing people, we're hanging out. And this year, I'm excited to say that that includes being a part of the Good News Festival in San Diego. I am going to be helping to lead a workshop with Jerusalem Greer from Bishop Curry's office regarding food insecurity. And we're going to talk about some of that, how we do that up here in the rural parts of uh, San Diego, but also some reflection on work that's been done in the urban areas. And just talk about how that fits into our spirituality, I think, and how that is a part of engaging with our community. It, it'll really be discussion-based. Uh, everything I do is, there's no way I can talk at people for a long time. So lots of questions, lots of uh, communication about what people are doing in the world and connecting. Another cool thing that we're doing before the Good News Festival is we're having a garden ministry field day up here at Camp Stevens. Uh, it starts midday on the 7th and goes midday to the 8th. And we're going to make uh, kebab and pizzas together. We're going to do some garden work. We're going to talk about the spirituality of getting your hands in the dirt and growing things and what that means also for food access and food justice in our world. So excited to invite folks to that. Awesome. And so people can find out details for all of that on the goodnewsfestival.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, thumbs up from go Kathy. So you can go uh, check out all of that stuff that Kathy just talked about and so many more things that are happening at the Good News Festival, again, December 9th and 10th, at thegoodnewsfestival.com or campstevens.org to find out more about what Camp Stevens is doing. You can also check them out on Instagram. Kathy, would you also share with us, uh, as we like to ask our guests every time we have someone on, where did you see or feel God's presence moving in the world in your life? I'm going to make a long story short as, a, as I can. Recently, we had, as things do happen at camp, one of our staff members had an incident with a truck and it kind of rolled off the road and we had a crash. This is a funny uh God context, but it, it's here. It's coming, I promise. It also happened to coincide with me riding my bike on the side of the road and narrowly missing the truck. The staff member and I were standing there looking at this truck, you know, pointed down a ravine 
anyone who's been to Camp Stevens knows we've got a few little hilly areas. He looks at me and he's just like, I am so sorry. This is my worst nightmare. And I said to him in that moment, just like I looked at him, I'm like, this happens. This is what happens sometimes at camp. And this happens in the world and mistakes happen. And I just, he and I just sort of like, he just hugged me really tight. And I just thought, I'm so glad he wasn't hurt, right? He was there with that whole situation. And I just feel like I'm telling a story about me having grace for somebody else, but I felt totally overwhelmed by that. I don't feel like I was in control of it. I felt like I had like this peaceful thing fall over me, even though I was kind of stressed out about it. And I think for me, I feel like that is somebody booing me up. Like something is booing me up in the world in that moment. And my relationship with that staff member is so much closer and so good. You know, like I think we had a moment trucks down a ravine that happens and it's an opportunity to learn and grow. And I just felt really grateful to have a moment of just infusion of spirit. Thank you, Kathy. And you know what, everybody, we would love to hear from you as well, because we all have God sightings mm-hmm. every, every so often. We'd love to hear from you about your God sighting and maybe about your ministry context, any questions or comments or stories you have from your week of faith discussion and reflection. You can find a bunch of ways of getting in contact with us uh, in the description for this episode. And now we're going to transition into our gospel again for this coming Sunday, December 4th, the second Sunday in Advent in uh, year A. Charlotte is going to read it, and then we'll I'll have some context. We'll each have a point. The gospel is Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. All right. The season's greetings to you. Mm -hmm. Unquenchable (laughs) fire. (laughs) Unquenchable fire, you brood of vipers. <laughs> totally my favorite part to read. <laughs> Love it. Love it so totally. much. Here we are, everybody, back 21 full chapters earlier than we were last week. Uh, again, a bit of a um, whiplash from our nice, slow narrative working through Luke's gospel over the summer and into the fall from the end of year C. Now we're into this thematic liturgical season of Advent where we're hopping around in Matthew's gospel a little bit to hit all these important themes. And as you see, we're building some anticipation here. So we have Jesus talking about, you know, the the time when the Son of Man will come again, that we don't know the time or the hour. Nobody knows except the Father. 
And now we have John out here in the wilderness crying, one is coming. There's one coming that I'm not even worthy to, to carry his sandals. And he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing forks in his hand. Someone's coming. Everybody, get ready. Be <laughs> watchful. Be aware. Be ready for it. And still know Jesus yet. So very interesting. Back in chapter 3, this is right after the infancy narratives. And again, in Matthew, which is different from Luke, we have that flight into Egypt to escape Herod's persecution. And then the return to Egypt. And now fast forward, we skip over all of Jesus's formative years to the preceding his ministry beginning and his baptism. So that's where we are in the gospel. Uh, the very next thing, spoilers for what is coming, is Jesus emerging onto the scene to be baptized. But we don't hear that yet, so everybody forget that I said that. We're just talking about John the Baptist today. Kathy has the first point. Well, it's a pleasure to come back and talk about John the Baptist. <laughs> and I think I will repeat the thing I said, what, three years ago now, that... John the Baptist is my favorite, and it just happens. This is totally a fluke that I'm on the show on this day, so I think uh, super cool. I love John the Baptist because I think, you know, as Jesus does in many ways, John the Baptist walks outside the circle of normality that is established at this time. David's going to talk a little more about this, but just to like, just even note who this guy is, you know, he's from his outfit to his way of being, to the way he speaks to people, all of those things. He is not the norm. And I think about that in the context of today and the hype on social media to fit in the, the desire to really just meet the norm of society. This is a lesson to us to step outside and also that his message is really radical in a way that pushes us to say, you know, things are going to change. And I also need to figure out who I am outside of what I know, what I've been told to be. I think that's a huge message. I think about that a lot with, you know, working with youth. I'm sure Charlotte can relate to that. You know, this great sense of needing to belong and but belonging to yourself is the most important part. And I think that John the Baptist does that so well, you know, it, I, I may or may not at some point be the nerdy person that's like, hey, middle schoolers, check out John the Baptist. He knows how to live outside the norm. Mm -hmm. I think in this context, John the Baptist has really shown us that we have to, number one, look at who we are from the inside. Also, fly our flag about who we are. And I think that's really important, uh, being really clear about what we think and what we believe and uh, who we're willing to stand for. And then also move to the future with really not knowing what's going to happen and have having a real faith that the the powers that that be in the life that he's established are moving in the way that's going to really enrich the world. So I have great admiration and also really try to take it to heart as far as I think living our lives today contemporarily. I love that, Kathy. And one of the things I was connecting to while you were talking is the way we conflate belonging with fitting in. Yes. And I think that that is so important, such an important distinction is for all of us, but particularly when we're working with youth, right? Mm -hmm. That that John the Baptist actually does belong. His voice is needed, his ex and all of his mm -hmm. quirky habits. Um, those things are all needed. He belongs exactly as he is. And yet because he doesn't fit in into what is mm -hmm. expected of him, um, that he has been named as other, as challenging and problematic and all of those things. And how does it crack open the character of John the Baptist for all of us if we consider that in his willingness to be his real and true self, um, it offers us the opportunity to relate to him differently and to name the fact that he belongs just as he is. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and so dedicated to his own belonging. This is going to be kind of a morbid point, but so dedicated, <laughs> oh, no. so dedicated to his <laughs> to his distinct way of being in the world, and and so clear about his call. And Jesus does this too. We see Jesus model mm-hmm. this too. That he goes, he he does that to his death. Mm-hmm. That he will mm-hmm. not flinch from who he knows himself to be. Totally. Um, and yeah. I don't. I obviously don't want that for anybody. But, but what an incredible example. And just you know, such a prophetic, such a way of embodying what it means to be prophetic, in the face mm-hmm. of persecution, in the face of such strong pushback, to look at people in power and say you're you're not doing it in a way that you're not wielding your power in a way that that uh, builds up the world that helps other people yeah. and it's up to the people in power to to decide what to do with that information but he knows that it's his place to push back and t- to the very end he does that he's unflinching in that and and i love that about him and jesus is as mm-hmm. well you know jesus is loving to the end just like we talked about a couple weeks ago my point is similar to kathy's i'd, I'd call it adjacent uh or adjacent. parallel uh-huh. it's, it emerges from the same idea and I'm just thinking about it. I I'm, I was struck just reading this today by these descriptors of of John, and I know I mean I've like heard these since I was a kid, so I kind of just take them for granted. But they really struck me today, just about how like the clothing, the camel's hair, the leather belt, um, the locusts and the wild honey. It's like I'm thinking about the, all these things. What are these things indicating about John and like wh- his place kind of in the world? Um, and and I'm just—I was struck by the fact that all these things are things that he, you know, can can create or cultivate for himself. These are all things you kind of just naturally find out in the world. He is uh, just kind of foraging to survive, um, and he's maybe making his own clothes and making his own belts and finding his own food. And then I was thinking, like, well, that means that he's like really existing like outside of all these. Um, economic structures of his time outside of kind of the power structures of his day. He's out in the wilderness. I mean, like he's really doing his own thing, as Kathy said. Um, But I'm struck by like what the way that that positions him within the world and within the system, and especially within the kind of the system of his his Jewish culture uh, and the institution of Judaism that he is trying to reform, just like Jesus after him. And so... I kind of I love how he kind of positions himself and doesn't and does so by like embodying the thing that he is calling everybody else into, you know, to a different kind of way of being in the world. Um and so so like if he's the one that is to prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight, he's like living he is embodying a way of being in the world where he is living outside of like this power struggle. He's like living outside of the influence of the economy where he cannot be like bought and sold. You know, he's, he's not above it. He's like so embedded within it. Um, but he's found, he's like cultivated for himself a position where he doesn't, he's not living under another person's authority. You know, he's not reliant on someone for, for food or clothing. And he takes it to quite an extreme. I'm not saying that everybody has to live at this extreme level of this, but um, I think it like, I think it enables him to be in the position to to like hold these powerful people in the system to task um and like the pharisees and the sadducees that he's having this interaction with they are really powerful in the system 
you know, they hold the keys to the kingdom, essentially. They get to tell you who is good and who's bad. They tell you what the good and the bad ways of being in the world are. They tell you what is right and wrong to believe, what is right and wrong to practice. And they have incredible power within the system, not just kind of financially, I think, but also spiritually in terms of affecting people's lives. And I, I, I like also that John's like, John's question to them is like, why, why are you here? Like, what are you coming out here to find? You know, what is it you think you're coming out to do? Is this a show? Because if you're really out here for something, you're going to leave and do something different with yourself when you go back. So he's really pushing on them. He's calling them, he's, he's calling them out of themselves. He's calling them to like become aware of their intentions. Uh, and I think that's something that a, a prophet in John's position is, is, it's like a really important prophetic question is like calling to asking the people in power, why are you doing what you're doing? Um, and, and then I think, I think it's cool that then it's only after these kind of interactions, this way that John emerges onto the scene, the way that he is positioned, the way that he is like un uninfluenced by the power structures that only it's, it's only then that Jesus picks him to be the one that baptizes him. And that Jesus chooses John and goes to John um, kind of in this show of support for this message, knowing that this is the, this is the guy. Like, this, these are the words. This is the way of being in the world that I want to be, like, the foundation yep. of what I do in the world, too. And I love that because Jesus is, like, claiming there that he is taking part in a prophetic arc of history. He doesn't just stand out alone by himself. He is part of a lineage. He's part of an ancestry. He's part of a community. And by being, by Jesus, this person that we think, you know, lives outside of reality as like this, you know, otherworldly being, for him to claim a spot in this long kind of arc of history invites us to claim our spot as well. And and like Kathy's saying, to to live out the most authentic way we can who we are, um, and to and to know that we all have different ways of being prophetic and holding people in power to task, you know, and and calling them back to our to the purposes of God and calling them back to the kingdom of heaven. So, I just I really love John and the way that John positions himself and the way that that allows him to push on the people in power, um, and and that we can all kind of find. I think it's part of our vocational discernment to find the ways that we feel most called to be positioned within these systems, you know, that we're hoping to change and, and that we all have a different way of doing that. And John's was to be kind of like on the very outside edge of the inside, um, which is a very prophetic way, place to be uh, and, and allows you to, to really push on those, those buttons. Um, and sometimes get your head cut off. I don't know. It's not. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoilers. Spoilers. So many spoilers. Mm-hmm. But I think that that is kind of, that does kind of weave towards my point, which is perceptions, like the way that we perceive things is not always necessarily the full reality of what they are. 
Um, and that is true for John. Certainly, the way that John is perceived is not the fullness of who John is. But it's also in this second part of the gospel when we have all of this language that has to do with fire. And a lot of times we associate fire with violence, um, with burning and destroying of whatever it is. And we hear that here when it's talking about the chaff um, and that the chaff is thrown down into the fire. But then when we get fire again in the next paragraph, I don't think that that's the same kind of fire that we're hearing about there. I don't think that that fire is necessarily, well, and it says chaff here too, but it's not that that fire is intending to destroy, um, but that it is burning away what is not necessary in order that what is can truly grow and rise into being, your true self, your real way of being in this world. And I was thinking about it in the context of a physical fire, fire that is used in a forest, and thinking about it in the sense that there are two kinds of fire there as well. And certainly those of us that live in California, we experience the fear that comes with a wildfire. And it's not lost on me that all three of us that are on this podcast today um, were also up at Camp Stevens just a few weeks ago and and heard Valerie Kaur speak about the wildfire that's, that threatened the sequoias, um, that is something that all of us can relate to. And the fear that we all felt as we watched Cal, Cal Fire trying to protect them and wrapping the great trees in blankets and trying to save these great sequoias. And then we also know, though, that part of that park management, part of the way that they take care of the sequoias is also through the use of fire. That it is necessary in order for the seedlings to grow that all of the stuff that is on the forest floor has to be burned away. And that it has to be burned in order to decrease the canopy for light to get through. That it has to be able to, that it has to be burned so that the seedling can poke through. But also the fire itself, the items that are burned, nourishes the soil. And so all of these healthy things come out of the use of fire. It's not just for destruction. And as we relate that to ourselves, as I relate it to myself, then I start to think about, well, then what is that chaff? What are these things that are being separated? It's not me that's getting thrown into the unquenchable fire. I, I am deeply loved by God. I am constantly being called into right relationship. And, and John certainly says it right here at the beginning when he's saying to them, you know, bear fruit worthy of re repentance, that we are constantly being invited, that we are being called into this real and true relationship. And so then what is the purpose of the fire? Is the fire intended to harm me or is it burning away all of the things that I don't need that I have named as important and that aren't, that actually separate me, not just from God, but from my fellow human beings. Um, maybe perhaps it's the way that I label other people as other, that I don't see that they are intrinsically valuable to God um, because they don't think just like me or they don't live just like me or they don't work in the world the same way I do. And I think that it's such an invitation to... Consider what that baptism looks like of being baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire and the way in which it can nourish the things that need to grow in us and it can clear away the canopies of the things that are casting shadows on our life um, and that it can nourish just the very root of our love and connection to God. Mm -hmm. Also thinking about your relationship with yourself, 
what you said right there at the intralet was there are things that you know we can think about as community you know there's things that get that us in the, between us and god and us and other people but there are it's often starts with ourselves having you know overgrowth of something that's not working anymore uh so i just i love i love thinking about that and that we can start within our own being and break out of that and realize you know the freedom that comes with burning away those things that they're not serving our, our us as a person any longer or our community or our relationship with god so mm-hmm. i love that yeah, and circling all the way back then to your to you and your yeah. point in the beginning with John, like talk about a guy who separated yeah. the wheat, the personal wheat and chaff. He is just Heck all yeah. wheat. He's straight that wheat now. Wheat. He's all wheat. wheat. Whole wheat. Yeah, he's whole wheat. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fifteen grains. You know, he like yeah. he has burned it away so much that he's just himself. <laughs> he's just who he is, and he's saying what he that's knows right. to be true. And then he's pushing people on their chaff. Like he's pushing yeah. the he's pushing the Pharisees he's pushing the Pharisees and Sadducees to be like, you have created an identity based on something that is chaff. It's not real. It sustains yeah. no one and is not nourishing. So watch out. I'm just telling Brilliant. you for your own good. You're not gonna like it. But God could raise up children to Abraham if God wanted to. Okay? You're not your your whole identity is built on a lie, on an illusion. I'm sorry, you guys. But you got to try something new. Gosh. So, watch out. John the Baptist. He'll get you. Bring it home. Bring it home. Okay, so those are our three points for this week. Point number one was Kathy's talking about John, the ultimate authentic human, calling mm-hmm. others to, to authenticity, you know, embodying this way that, that as Charlotte said, we can, we can belong without having to fit in. So nice. Number two was mind, thinking about the position that John has cultivated for himself, kind of living beyond the the system and still kind of working within it to change things. And then number three was Charlotte's, and it was about fire that burns burns away what is not necessary for new things to grow, you know, as an important as an important process of that new growth happening. Thank you, Kathy, for being here so much. Oh. Thank you. I love being here. I love you guys so much. Thanks for having me. We love you too. Yeah. And we love all of you and would love to hear from you. If you had a point for the gospel this week, if you want to share any of your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can find any and all of those ways of getting in contact with us listed in the description for this podcast episode. Make sure to go check out thegoodnewsfestival.com for all the information about the Good News Festival. December 10th, Kathy's going to be there. Hannah Wilder will be there. That's right. No, the faith goals are. Uh, Charlotte and I will be there doing a live recording. Everyone we know will be at the Good News Festival. And we want you to be there, too. Yes, because we want to know you. We do want to know you. And we want to hear what you have to say. You know what? The easiest way for you to get in contact with us this week is to come to the Good News Festival that and talk to true. us live and in person. Make sure, again, to head, head to thegoodnewsfestival.com to find all those workshops, information on all the presenters, the schedule, where and when we will be recording, and to reserve your spot for free. We'll be back next week to talk about Advent 3 in year A. And until then... Say goodbye. Bye, Bye, everybody. everybody. I'm going to start working my point for three years from now right now. (laughs)